This is Susie Thorpe. Cambridge 105 Radio. Well, I have some salvation here, actually. I've got two really interesting people here. Dr. Andrea Woods, clinical psychologist. Good morning. Good morning. And Dr. Janine Robertson, consultant clinical psychologist. Now, both from the Chitra Sethia Autism Centre in Fulburn. Good morning. Nice to have you here. Hello, hello, Janine, as well. Now, we're here to talk about uh, an initiative that you are opening up a library, a clinic autism library, that right in the community for Cambridge. That's right. Why are we doing this? What What's the, the initiative here? It, to be honest, in the last year, we decided to um, start a kind of a programme of work about really improving people's experience of using the NHS uh, locally and, and other services that would be helpful for autistic people and their families and their carers. And um, in keeping with the actual name of the centre, you know, the Chitra Sethi Autism Centre, we wanted not only f- uh, for the adults who come along to be assessed and diagnosed, but really to be able to make use of the resources that we have and we get a lot of books, especially because of our links with the Autism Research Centre in Cambridge and the National Autistic Society who are upstairs from us in the building. And so we have lots of books, lots of fantastic resources, and we wanted to start sharing those with individuals who come along to our clinics. But also, importantly, not only to help with their education and for their partners and parents to perhaps learn more about autism once they've been diagnosed, but the other bit about this is their journey if they're connecting with other services across the trust so if you're going to be seeing another practitioner for some other health condition or a mental health condition to know that those practitioners would also have access to some of these resources that we have available so we're opening the library both to individuals and their families across Cambridge and Peterborough but also to clinicians and other practitioners who are working locally so they might want to upskill themselves and become a bit more aware of the condition. Ah, That's interesting so you're really sharing information that Obviously, you've kept because it's all part of the research and now you're bringing it out. So do you find then, so for Andrea, Dr. Andrea Woods, your clinical psychologist, is this something that you're able to tell your own patients about? Is it something very exciting for you to, to be able to tell your patients this? Absolutely, yes. And we're hoping that when people come for an assessment at our clinic, after they've had their meeting with us, if they get a diagnosis, we can take them directly into the library. It's in a really nice room in the building called the garden room. Um, and it's a really nice place for them to just sit and browse and look at the resources and start the next bit of their journey, really, in terms of finding out what this means for them and um, looking at the resources resources that might help them with some of the particular things they're struggling with Mm. and also for their families as well. Yeah, I mean, that strikes me, actually, what you've been talking about, Mm. Dr. Dini Robinson, you've been talking about sharing information. That's something that, and sharing it across different um, districts and and structures that it's, and everyone can then be able to share and also be continual in their information, mm. not have... So that must be quite important. Is it really exciting part to, to your research to have this? I think what's really important at this stage for us is that, unfortunately, our clinic, like many clinics in the country, is we're commissioned to do diagnosis only. But for us, we've always felt that the proper feedback to patients when they've got a diagnosis, the immediate signposting, the making sure that they get uh, um, directed to the right places is really important. I think the other bit that's important is we can't underestimate the fact that not everybody's going to need 
therapy intervention treatment not everybody's going to need to engage in the health service after they've been diagnosed and psychoeducation accessing online groups people are going to vary in what they need and what they want and what they prefer and so the library is just one option there are many people who are going to say i don't really want to do that i don't want to join a group but to provide that as a as a possibility of of accessing information is really really important for us and i think the other bit that's we're learning more and more is just how much people learn from each other and i think we do need to as clinicians and as services take much more notice of the autistic voice and so one of the things that we're really keen on is uh, we've got these um, cards at the moment we want people who come and use the library to review a bit like you would on well-known sites and and organizations that sell books to actually rate the book that you've read and say well why was it helpful and in what way might somebody else benefit from it and the same is true for websites and blogs and so on it may well be that it's not just us as clinicians who are going to be able to say yep you might want to read this book actually to be able to say well lots of people have said they really find this book helpful or as parents or partners this is the resource that we found most helpful so we want to really benefit from and share and for us to learn also yeah. from the people who come and use uh, our services and people who access. So there's a kind of a two, a two-way street yeah. and a, a, a circle there, which feels very nice. I was going to ask you actually about the dynamics of the library. So you've mm. just explained a bit. So it, it is there's lots of access, not only books but mm. websites in yeah. this particular library. So explain how if you walk in, would you see be able to ask for help if you needed help in the library? Yes, I mean at the moment we are open one morning a week, and we have a volunteer called Sue Hart who um, has catalogued all the books really to help people see which type of um, books and materials would be interesting to to different types of people. Um, so there's a catalogue of the books the books are all available to browse and have a look at there's also a, la a laptop and we're hoping to do uh, more with that laptop in terms of adding um, uh, sort of a landing page where people can uh, search up different websites and, and information of interest and we've got some CDs and DVDs of um, particular kind of skills programmes that people can try out on there as well so there's a range of different resources and Sue will be there to help answer questions and if she can't answer them she can ask us <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll try our best to signpost people do you find that you're getting teachers coming in as well because of obviously having autistic children that want to be in mainstream school quite rightly do you find teachers are coming in to get some sort of information about it too is it is it for them as well the library's available to anybody that wants to come and have a look. Um, at, we're, we're very new. We only opened on the 2nd of April, which is the oh, World wow. Autism Day. So that was our, our launch date. So we're yet to see who shows an interest, really. But anybody who has an interest can come and um, take a book out and give us some feedback. It's a great <laughs> initiative. Do you, find, do you think that more and more other people will look at your initiative and your library and think, actually, that's a good idea. We're going to plant this also. Will you be able to help them, do you think? around the UK? I think, uh, yeah, it will be very <laughs> interesting to see who, who pays uh, um, interest. I mean, I think our next step really is to um, find a way of making our library available across the whole of Cambridge here. Because mm. at the moment we're based in Fullbourne, but as a clinic we operate across Cambridge here. So we, we, our next step is to um, 
open the library more often um, so we need volunteers to help us with that and uh, to think of ways that we can make these resources accessible across the county. And when we're talking about research, Dr Janine Robinson, mm. it, how, how much do we now understand about autism as opposed to a few years ago? I think, you know, the, it's interesting because the clinic's been around in Cambridge for 20 years and things have changed so much during that time. I think in some ways we're a bit clearer and in other ways uh, things are still a little bit messy, shall we say. Um, I think in a way what's so interesting when you start um, combining the clinical information and the research information um, it becomes really helpful to see what we're seeing in our clinics, which is some very complex situations, individuals who've had very complex lives, um, and it's very difficult to disentangle when they're coming for an assessment. Is this autism? Could this be something else? It's currently being played out in the research about genetics and neurobiology that actually, yes, autism is a very broad spectrum, but autism could also be co-occurring with other neurodevelopmental conditions, so other conditions that were developed that you develop from from early on, like ADHD, perhaps like things like dyslexia, dyspraxia, and so on, which makes the picture across the board really broad and hard to distinguish at times. So you know, there's a, a very common uh, a comment that people make that you know, if you've met somebody with autism, you've only met one person with autism. It is really broad and. Um, that's what makes it quite an, a specialist subject, mm. really. But it also makes it really exciting because it does mean um, it's constantly growing. Uh, we're learning more about the genetics, but we're also learning more about, well, so what's the protective factors? Why do these people with these kinds of uh, biological backgrounds and environmental factors, why do they not go on to exhibit such severe uh, features? And then why is somebody else so severely affected by it where they can't, even if they're very bright, they can't manage to hold on a job they can't manage to live independently so there are lots of factors that will make uh, that will impact on somebody's outcome and I think a lot of the research in the early years was really focusing on the neurobiology the etiology where does autism come from where why is it here to now uh, much more interest in I think how does it present and also actually what what can we do? What makes things easier for people? What works? So uh, we know that the uh, sort of comorbidities of anxiety and depression are very, very high in autism. So if you've got an autistic disorder at some point in your life, very likely that you're going to have some sort of mental health type issue, which may or may not need intervention and standard um, interventions that psychological interventions that may work for somebody in the general community uh, who's depressed may not work for the sort of social communication reasons and perhaps the inflexibility of thinking that you might have in autism so it's more research is now taking place looking at, at what kinds of uh, psychological interventions, any other kinds of interventions might be useful, including things like peer-to-peer -peer support. You know, is that a useful um, way forward? So I think there's there's a range, there's a broader range of research now. And also what's lovely at the moment is there's much more of a requirement for autistic involvement in research, both in terms of the direction of research as well as the actual research projects themselves. So that means we're not just going off doing research that we're interested in, but actually doing stuff that um, autistic people and their families feel are important.
Yeah. So we obviously do a bits of research with our colleagues at the Autism Research Centre, and in order to try to improve our own service, we've done uh, a, a, a piece of research looking at screening. So trying to make sure we're identifying the right people, because we don't want to put people through an assessment when maybe they don't require an autism assessment. So that's proved very promising, given us some very promising results. And Andrea and I are working with our colleagues at a next stage of that research. Um, so um, it's very, we're in a very unique position here in Cambridge in the sense that we do have the Autism Research Centre at the University of Cambridge and also Anglia Ruskin University does autism research. And um, that really does give us a lot of opportunities to be combining our day-to-day -day clinical skills um, and um, the deep knowledge that we gain of the people we see and their families and their lives uh, with the um, academics and, and their particular interests. I think years ago, it, correct me if I'm wrong, I think when it was diagnosed using it, it was a standalone condition. But as you just said, it's not anymore. It's affecting all sorts. And in many ways, would you say that autism is quite a normal thing in many ways, depending on the spectrum of it? You can be, uh, you know, and I think you can also be diagnosed when you're older as well, can't you? Living with it, not knowing that you had it. And once you have been diagnosed, your life is a little bit better, isn't it? It's more acceptable and you can accept it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, in our clinic, we only diagnose adults. So in a sense, all the diagnoses we make are late diagnoses. And there might be lots of reasons for that. Um, we know, for example, that um, until recently, females have not been being picked up who are on the spectrum because they present um, with slightly different issues and in slightly different ways. Um, and... Um, yeah, you'd, I mean, that's quite interesting, actually, about females, isn't it? Is yes. that something you discovered very recently? Or is that something that has been in the background, but someone's pulled it out saying, yeah, we need to sort this one out? I think we've always suspected that there were more females on the autistic spectrum. and and But it's, it's only in recent years that we've been able to um, do more research and mm. look at how females present differently. Females, for example, are generally much better at masking their difficulties and um, looking at other people and, and copying behaviour so that it's not as obvious. Their social communication difficulties are not as obvious. Yeah. Um, and it may be that they've sort of kept that to themselves for many years and, and felt very different but not felt able to tell anybody why they feel different. Um, and you mentioned, um, it, it, is this kind of normal? I mean, we talk about an autistic spectrum and the research shows that um, we can all or a few points on the on the autistic spectrum and um, we're all on there somewhere um, and it's a combination of um, difficulties in the impact that it's having on somebody's life that determines whether they get a diagnosis or not yeah and how to help themselves and and as you say to be uh, once you know the diagnosis or you know that it, it's a way forward isn't it it's like with any condition that you have if you know you've got a broken arm you know you can't move it a certain way or do that but anyway I think it's absolutely fascinating and and the way forward then for this this library you're very excited it has opened how many weeks now four weeks beginning of april four yes. weeks yeah and do you think it's making a, a, a big impact at the moment i think it's early days yeah. for now we're still advertising it we're very Good. grateful for the opportunity to mm -hmm. talk about it on the radio um we're hoping that it will have an impact i mean one of the things that janine mentioned earlier on was that we're trying to engage more with the autism community in general um so we are trying to collect information about um 
what happens to people after they get the diagnosis and how helpful it's been or not in terms of getting the support and services they need. So we hope that access to the library will form part of that and, and, and be helpful. But time will tell in terms of, of the course. feedback we get. And what was the opening hours again for the... Is it is it certain days of the week? We must get that. So Thursday morning, half nine to half eleven. And Monday mornings also... Um, from 9.30 till 12. And obviously there's a website too, so people can yes. look at that and give that. And I'm, I'm sure there's lots of information on there too. I did look at it earlier, but I've forgotten. Mm -hmm. But it is there. But thank you so much indeed. It's been a real pleasure having you both here. Dr Andrea Woods, clinical psychologist, and Dr Janine Robinson, consultant clinical psychologist from, wait for it, Chitra Sethia Autism, Autism Centre in Fulburn. Yes, I got it right. Thank goodness for that. Thank you so much thank indeed. You, you. And I wish you all the best on that. Thank you. Thank you.